how can we eliminate or at least minimize as much as possible friction within the business? Because friction or eliminating friction will lead to more convenience and more convenience will lead to more wow experiences and set you up for success for being able to drive loyalty within your guests. Hi everyone, Chris Torres here from the Tourism Marketing Agency. And what you've just heard there was just some of the insights from my guest, Josh Liebman of Roller Software, a veteran in our industry of some 15 years. Now, Josh and myself discuss how technology can enhance the guest experience from the dreaming phase through to the experiencing phase and beyond. Now, Josh also hosts and shares his knowledge in his own podcast, The Guest Experience Show. So expect lots of good advice from this episode. So welcome to the Digital Tourism Show, episode 263. Well, thanks for joining us, Josh. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'll welcome you to the Digital Tourism Show. But for, for those who don't really know yourself or Roller Software, can you tell us a bit about, about yourself and how, how did you find yourself uh, being working in the, the tourism sector? Sure, absolutely. Well, Chris, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on the show. I've been in the tourism, hospitality, attractions business for a little over 16 years, uh, largely in the destination theme park space. So I've worked for Disney, I've worked for Universal, I've worked for several other uh, large theme park chains, uh, primarily in operations, a little bit in retail, a little bit in uh, guest service and guest communications, and uh, really fell in love with the industry from the attraction side of it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge, uh, huge roller coaster fan. So obviously it, it fits in nicely there. But then I really fell in love with the business side of it and the hospitality side of it and very much the guest experience side of it. So even in my time working in theme parks, uh, when I was in school, I got my, my degree is actually in theme parks and attractions management and my master's is in hospitality and tourism. And uh, over the last several years, I've taken on a little bit more of a consulting role. And some of that was in uh, destination uh, resorts, luxury hotels and resorts. So working with companies like Ritz-Carlton, Four Seasons, Waldorf Astoria, helping them manage brand standards, uh, doing a lot of quality assurance, and as well as you know, the guest experience really ties in with that as well. Uh, most recently, I've joined the team with Roller Software early this year, early in 2021. Uh, Roller Software is a point of sale and ticketing platforms specifically for attractions and, and tourism-based businesses that um, and, and family entertainment, things like that. Any, anywhere from amusement parks even down to smaller family entertainment centers and trampoline parks is a huge portion of our business. Um, and anything kind of in the in the leisure space. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the goal of Roller is really not just to be another software platform that you can use, but really positioned as the guest experience platform. So even from a technology side and a product side, it's designed with the guest experience in mind. And um, so that was one of the reasons why, why I joined the team to uh, help from a, I would say, a, a marketing standpoint, some marketing function to... Um, uh, communicate the value from the guest experience side of it. So uh, a lot of that is through content that we post out through uh, blog posts and thought leadership. And we launched a podcast as well. It's called The Guest Experience Show. And um, it's, a, it's a great company to work for and a, and a great, great team to be a part of. 
Excellent. Oh, you, you've got big, big names that, you, that you've been involved in, so it's obviously your experience uh, shines through that. Uh, but before before we get stuck into the questions, though, how, how has the, the the attractions sector been over the, the last couple of years? No, are you seeing things moving again going forward? Are things picking up? Um, sure. how, 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 how are things at this moment in time? So in in March and April of 2020, when obviously you know the the whole industry was quiet, uh, you know, there was definitely a lot of a lot of talk of saying, "What does this look like on the other side?" And you know the the biggest optimists, including myself, were saying, "You know we we anticipate there's going to be a lot of pent up demand. Everyone's sitting at home. We we can't do anything. We've exhausted how much Netflix we can watch and and all of that. <laughs> and uh, and people want to gather again. People want to be." out and about people people crave whether it's going to an amusement park or a family entertainment center or or taking a tour or anything that they can do to be able to get that escapism that uh, that we're going to be there to provide that and the numbers have really shown that that pent up demand has has been the case uh, there's definitely still a lot of businesses of course that are uh, struggling to recover from the pandemic, but there are many others that I've heard who said that uh, 2021 exceeded 2019 years and that this this pent-up demand was real. Um, I was chatting recently with the GM of an airboat attraction in Florida. They, you know, they deal a lot with nature and Florida wildlife. They have a, a walkthrough attraction, an airboat attraction, and a, a drive-through safari as well. And even in 2020, and they, they serve a lot of the Orlando tourist market, they're you know, just, just outside of uh, kind of the, the core uh, destination area of Orlando. In 2020 alone, they actually 10x'd their attendance because they were able to really tap into the local and the Florida resident market. That's and incredible. because of that, people came in waves. And, and they said, you know, from a business standpoint, that this was... A, Clearly, the, the greatest thing that can happen to the business. So that, of course, is one story of of many success stories. While at the same time, still a lot of other a lot of other businesses trying to get back there. But um, that optimism for the the industry's rebound continues. Uh, that's great to hear. It's incredible. There's not no ten x, no more than what they were getting before, and that's it's incredible. And, and you know, as you say, you know, I know there's a lot of businesses out there still hurting, but you no, know, hopefully, I, I think it's in the second week of November. That the the US will open up again to countries like UK mm. and things like that. And I know travel demand here is huge. So you no know, people will as much as we like the UK, we can't wait to escape it at times. So I'm sure there'll be lots of people going to America and, and the US and, and everything else and going to the theme parks and everything else that they love doing doing over here. So yeah, I can see that just picking up quite quite no extension. So. And they're ready. The airports are ready, mm. the theme parks are ready. And yeah, <laughs> obviously I speak on broad terms there, but uh but uh, it was definitely an, an exciting day, kind of in, in my LinkedIn notifications when that was that was just announced. Yeah, I believe November eighth is uh, is yeah. uh, when the restrictions are are lifted. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I can't wait, can't wait. So you know, you mentioned their guest experiences, and you no know, part of today was to talk about well how technology can help enhance those guest experiences throughout the entire journey. Um, but before we sort of go into that, you no, know, how you know you mentioned their Netflix, you no, know, well that's all we've been doing. For the last two years, pretty much, you no know, watching Netflix shows and exhausting all, you no know, Amazon Prime or whatever it is that we have, you no know, Apple TV, etc. Uh, how do you, from your experience in getting people out to these attractions and everything else, how do you convince someone now who have maybe been, you know, sitting there for the last two years to not go to a restaurant or not watch Netflix and you no know, take out an experience or go to an attraction? You know, what have you seen that works well to try and convince those people? Because in my opinion, you don't, you don't really compete with other 
theme parks, maybe to a certain extent, obviously, but I never really see that as a competitor. No, for me, your, your competitor is time, what people are going to do with their time. Um, now how, what have you seen work well to try and convince people to get back out again? Or do you think because of what's happened over the last two years, you know, people just want to get out and escape anyway? So how, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, no, 100%. And it's a, it's a topic I, I love talking about because I, I, I like to ask people, who are you competing against? And the obviously there's there's the obvious answers if you kind of look at this as as concentric circles here. The most inner ring is your direct competitors. So other similar types of businesses or tours or experiences that are within your geographic region. That if someone says, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this tour or I'm gonna take this tour," yeah, that's that's kind of an obvious answer for competitors. You pull out and say, "Well, you know, who are who are your indirect competitors?" So it might be different types of experiences or different types of ways that people can spend their leisure time and their leisure dollar, even if it's in a little bit of an adjacent industry. So if you're a tour operator, uh, could could your guests, could they go to the beach instead? Could they go to the movies or go to the mall or go bowling? Things that you wouldn't necessarily think of as being a direct competitor. But like you mentioned, you're competing not just against your competitors, but also for their time as well. And then I pull out and say, all right, the most outer ring is you have your your direct competitors, your indirect competitors, and then there's everything else. And that's where Netflix comes in. And now I, I feel like we've lost count of how many streaming platforms are out there. Uh, but if you know if if you're sitting at home binge watching both seasons of Ted Lasso all in one sitting, hypothetically speaking, you know you're not. I've done taking that. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, that sounds crazy. But you're not. You know, you're not taking that tour. You're not uh, doing that activity. You're not doing that experience. So we need to look at that from the way of how it is we are setting expectations for our guests to be able to tell them that this is going to be a better experience than our direct competitors our indirect competitors, and everything else that could fall into how they can spend their time and spend their money when they have the ability to do that. And we know that that those resources are restricted, whether it's time or money. If you're working a full-time job, you don't have that much time to be able to get out and, and do that experience. If, uh, you know, if, if you know, it, obviously... The, the economic component of the of the pandemic has been a, a large part of it as well. So now we are competing for leisure dollars, where for some people that might be very restricted as well. So when we look at that from a competitive standpoint, we need to say, well, how are we setting this expectation for our guests? And of course, there's couple different mindsets and we've all probably heard the phrase under promise and over deliver, which of course is a great way to be able to set yourself up for success, to be able to exceed your guests' expectations. Because if you under promise, then yeah, you've got that ability to say, oh, this is, this is even more that one was what was promised to me. This is a surprise and delight moment. This is a, a phenomenal experience. But if you're under promising, then you're probably going to lose a lot of business to those other competitors in either of those realms of hmm. what people could do instead of your business. Now, you don't want to overpromise as well, because if you overpromise, then you run the risk of under delivering. So this is really where marketing and operations need to work very closely hand in hand to make sure that we are telling people that their experience, A, is going to be better than all of those alternative options. Get off the couch, turn off Netflix, get out of the house and come visit us. But B, also sets you up for success 
to be able to deliver on that experience and then even go above and beyond and provide those wow moments to your guests that they'll say, I had very high expectations and you blew them out of the water. And of course, that's going to, to vary you know, from one business to the next based off of your core experience and what you want people to get out of coming to visit you and making sure that that is being positioned in a way that people see the value of what it is that you provide compared to all of those other alternative options. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's is that exactly what it is, whether that's through content, through video, through you know, how you market the business. If you can show the value of what you do and the value of your experience, then that's going to win more often than not. No, it's, it's, I, I've, all the operators that we help, you, know, you do get obviously the questions of, should we be cheaper than this? operator or that operator and at this moment in time though especially with the last two years it's like in my opinion the worst thing you can do is lower your prices now you've already been hit with your cash flow and everything else over the last two years so why would you want to limit yourself even further so no if anything your prices should be going up and we're, we're seeing that across the board our prices are increasing but people are willing to pay for it because they haven't had any experiences for the last two years so it's no the demand as you say is there so and so no just really highlight that experience really highlight what you do and why as you say someone should just get off the couch stop watching netflix and get out and, and experience something so yeah no, and, and people agree. are willing to pay a premium price provided that you provide that premium value and that premium experience. So if you have a a number of different options that guests are able to purchase, uh, what are you doing to maybe even just lift that a little bit higher and take something that that you're able to build into that that makes it even more premium? And there's so much that we have to offer in this industry that we can, uh, we can, charge for or we could give it away for free that actually costs very little or very nothing because he experienced or very nothing or nothing at all <laughs> uh, to the business itself because what we provide of course is an intangible product it's an intangible experience so if we can build more of those in if it's you know express access if it's uh just just demand-based pricing that your peak times are are more premium pricing than your off-peak times. And I know a lot of businesses are doing this already, but is there an even, you know, is there an even more enhanced tour that perhaps some guests would take on? And this is not something that would be positioned necessarily to every single guest, but it would be something that people who want to have that more premium experience. And theme parks, this is where VIP tours come in or at least uh, express access to attractions. It's something that is an enhancement to the general admission to the standard price that people are paying, that if they see the value of that and you're able to provide that value, then there is the demand there to uh, to charge that that premium price for it. Definitely. We've seen that happen in, in work with Uber. You know, when, when they're really busy um, yeah. and, and demand is high, they up their prices. You know, it's, and, and people do pay for it because they want to get home or want to travel somewhere or whatever and yeah. people will pay that sort of money so it's the same with two and even states. the even the options they provide you can take mm-hmm. a standard car or you can take you know an suv or a black car and a, and a luxury vehicle then mm-hmm. they have that option there available knowing that the vast majority of people are going to choose the standard car at the regular price that it is mm-hmm. uh but but for those guests who want an even more premium experience that making sure that there are those options there for them don't yeah. don't deprive them of the premium experience and don't deprive them of paying the premium price for it. Exactly. Well said. Now, part of what I want to cover is a sort of consumer journey. And we know there's many stages throughout the consumer journey, but if we're going to break them up into sort of 
easy understandable chunks for the for the listeners. It's it's you would have your sort of pre-arrival stage or, or why something's called the dreaming stage where people are looking for things to do or you know wanting to maybe arrive at a destination or look for destinations they want to be uh, what they want to go to uh, and then you would maybe have your obviously the experiencing stage where that someone's actually taking out that experience and experiencing that side of things and then there's a sort of post where people may be sharing what they've done with the experience you no know, talking to their family and friends word their mouth and all that side of things coming up so if we initially focus on this sort of pre-arrival sort of stage and a sort of dreaming stage, obviously this is when consumers are are searching on Google, they're maybe going onto Facebook to be and maybe see an ad and are inspired to then find out more about a particular experience or destination. From 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 what you've been in your 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 expertise in the industry, have you seen that can really help uh, enhance that pre-arrival experience? Uh, and how does you see the sort of technology that you're working with and just now or from the past? How do you see that tying in? What, what can we do to better convince people to you know, come to our experience or, and how can te technology sort of work with that? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And the best way to look at that is to say, is the pre-arrival experience and the booking experience, or we can just call this the, the off-site, the online experience, mm -hmm. Does that match the experience that you want your guests to have when they come on site? So when people are booking, what is that booking experience like for them? Yeah. When they go to your website, do they click on hours and information and scroll all the way down and then learn more and then click plan your visit and then click their way through several screens that might eventually get them to a ticket purchase page? Or is there a buy tickets button right on the homepage and every single page where it is prominently positioned and people can see it easily, see it quickly, and they say, hey, I want to book now. And it's actually a very easy experience. And then once they're in that actual uh, e-commerce portion of the business, do they understand what they're doing? Is it intuitive? Is it simple? Uh, there are uh, many things. You know, We talk about Netflix, for instance, as far as competing for time. We're also competing for simplicity. Netflix mm. is extremely easy to use. You mentioned Uber. Uber, it's so easy for me to just pick up my phone and get a car and go to the airport. Uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, there didn't need to be a, a huge emphasis on people booking online. If you had the ability to book online or to sell tickets online, then that in and of itself was already above the rest and even a wow experience. But as time goes on, the level of expectation that people have continue to rise, not necessarily because of your immediate competitors, but those who are doing it the best in any industry. So Netflix, Uber, look at Amazon, look at DoorDash. Uh, these are extremely easy businesses to use. And as a result, our expectations are changing because the bar itself is rising. So what does that look like for your guests who are considering a visit to your business, your tour, your experience, your activity? Are you looking at matching the experience that they have when buying something on Amazon? You know, it has nothing to do with what industry you're in. The guest's expectation transcends industries based off of who is doing it best and where the expectation is being set. Yeah. So how many clicks does it take to get to your purchase page? Uh, is it easy to understand? Once people actually buy, do they know what they've bought? Are they getting a proper confirmation? If um, 
if your experience requires people to sign waivers, are they prompted for that immediately after buying their ticket? And then is that attached to their ticket and their guest profile? So when they show up, it's all there. So what are you doing from the pre-arrival standpoint that A, gets people excited about their visit because they, they feel comfortable with the purchase that they made. It was easy to make that purchase. And B, sets it up so you're able to transition into the arrival component seamlessly so that there's less friction when you arrive on site. I, I love that. Um, uh, man after my own heart, we talk about simplicity, and, it, and that's so key. No, I, I honestly think, of, I've been saying it for years, a part of the reason why companies like Airbnb have really grown over the years is because I think, I think they have some of the best UX in the business. I think that's helped them grow massively because it is so easy to to book an accommodation or do something like that on these sort of platforms. And that's why so many others try to emulate what they do. Um, so it's it, having that simplicity is key. It's even even little things I'll remember uh, about five years ago, or four years ago now, when uh, I handed uh, an iPad to my, my, my then one-year-old son who instantly knew how to work it. You know, he, he just tapped on the screen, he opened things up and, and without you no know, obviously having to read instructions or show him what to do, he just got it. And it's that that's the dream for a lot of you know, systems like yourself and other technology companies. If you can get to that level where it's so intuitive that people just know how to use it without seeing anything else, that's simplicity is 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 way, way up there in terms of you know, that experience. And I, I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the more people need to think about what they're doing and to make sure they're doing it right, that's why, you know, it, it uses a lot more a lot more brain cells, a lot more brain energy, which then causes skepticism, causes hesitation. But if they're able to easily and very seamlessly get through it and they enjoy the process and they're pleased with that purchase experience, then you're already setting the stage for a very positive experience. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So that's the sort of pre-arrival stage. So we then go into the, the experiencing phase. And this is obviously when the customer's in destination or an attraction or ha- having that experience and, and taking, uh, taking all the sights and sounds and everything else in. Now that we're seeing the emergence of, of things like AI and autonomous vehicles and other technologies. You know, the other day there, there was um, I posted up on, on social media, um, it was a BBC article about how this other company has now tied in with you know, buildings and hotels that have roofs for doing flying taxis and you know, how that will then imp- know, impact you know, tours and activities and things like that as well, which is incredible. You know, me being a sci-fi geek, I'm, I'm loving all this and can't wait to, to go into a flying car. But um, how do you see the role of these type of technologies growing in the future? You know, have you seen anything working well today or do you think this is something that anyone in the tourism sector should be paying attention to? Because I, I feel personally that things like AI usually gets sort of ignored because they think, oh, that's going to take over my job. This is going to do this. This is going to do that. Whereas actually the complete opposite, it can actually empower businesses and do other things. How do you see these sort of technologies emerging going forward? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, it's it's cool to look into the future and see, all right, autonomous vehicles and flying cars and how is that going to be worked its way into into tourism? And, and for many people, that's, you know, that feels like it is decades away, even though maybe it's a little bit closer than uh, than we think. But if we look at what is what is the experience like today and what technology is there to be able to be woven into our business to make the existing experience even better, that's when we can start talking about things, whether it's AI or whether it's other software, to say, how can we eliminate or at least minimize as much as possible 
friction within the business because friction or eliminating friction will lead to more convenience and more convenience will lead to more wow experiences and set you up for success for being able to drive loyalty within your guests. So for instance, if you just think of waiting in line, when we talk about you know, technology that can help improve the efficiency of the experience, waiting in line is a friction point. It's a friction point that's always been around and people are always trying to combat it. If people are purchasing in advance, are they going through a separate queue or do they have a, a separate arrival experience where they don't need to wait in the same line as people who are purchasing once they arrive or once they, uh, you know, once they come visit your location? And as a result, now you're able to use the software or whether whether it's AI or whether it's the, the data that you're already getting to be able to serve your guests even better. And if there are ways to, to get them into the experience even more seamlessly, uh, if you are using technology to, uh, to, to improve the efficiency, well, then now this is fantastic for your labor budget. We know this year, one of the biggest issues that we've had have been attracting quality talent and labor and wages worldwide are going up. So as a result, people need to do more with less. Well, that is where you're able to weave in technology. Uh, one of the things that um, that we're seeing in the attraction space are self-service kiosks where people are come in, coming in and they can buy their tickets right there. They can, they can book right on site. So that eliminates the need for a staff member. But to the point that you made as far as replacing people's jobs, I also completely agree with you that it actually helps empower the business because now instead of having a cashier with a one-to-one ratio to the guests that they're serving and one at a time. Now, if it's a little bit more self-service, the transactional elements can be taken care of by the guests or maybe the administrative elements, whether maybe it is, maybe it is signing a waiver or signing, you know, or, or purchasing your tickets or whatever it is. And now you can have a staff member who's able to float a little bit more and they can be there to answer questions and they can be there to gently suggest maybe those more premium options to be able to raise that per capita spend. And they're doing it because they are empowered and they've got the expertise and the service skills to do that in addition to the functional mechanics of their job as of how do I use this point of sale, this cash register. Mm -hmm. And it's like that, you know, I'm focusing on the arrival experience, but take that concept and spread that out throughout the entire experience is if you are working on fewer staff members, then how can you best leverage those staff and what's the technology that you can put into their hands so that they can do their job more efficiently, which then translates into a more positive guest experience, even with a lower labor budget. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> couldn't, uh, couldn't agree more. And, and again, it all comes down to that simplicity that you, that you mentioned. Or I, I remember this wasn't that long ago. This was about four years ago. I went to a family trip to Barcelona, a city I absolutely love. I love Barcelona. We decided to take out uh, an open-top bus tour just to get our bearings around the city because it was the first time we'd been been to Barcelona. Um, and I remember going online. Uh, I won't mention the company, but I remember going online, booking the tickets. No, I had my one-year-old boy with me at the time. So booked the tickets and we thought, great, let's wait for the for the bus, we'll get on. But then when we got on the bus, no, we were told, actually, no, you need to then take what you booked to go to an actual physical shop to get a proper ticket and then wait in this queue and do this. 
and I couldn't believe I'm sitting about a baby in my, no in a pouch in my, on my on my bit my chest, and I'm thinking I really have to walk to this place, do this, do that, and then get on the bus. Surely this should be enough, or show my phone, or do something. Well, I think a lot of things have moved on since then. But it's again, as you're saying, it's that simplistic. Put these barriers in place, and it's actually made made me, my wife, think. Do we actually really want to go on this bus tour now? But having to do all these different things and stuff like that. And it's as you say, if you can do all these different things, it allows the customer to self-check in or self-book and show things on a phone, which that is obviously the way things are going. But there's still many operators out there who still have these barriers in place. And as you say, it's that simplicity. So if you can get rid of that friction, then you're you're going to get more customers through the door at the end of the day. Yeah. And I mean, with that story that you just shared, sure, there are many people that would say this isn't worth it. Just give me my money back. And there's a museum right across the street. Let's go there instead. I know we can buy a ticket and walk right in and, you know, and, and then we can, you know, we, we can have that experience instead. And maybe we'll try this another time or it's out of sight, out of mind. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so that, that friction absolutely uh, can can cost you customers just because of a, a poor experience up front. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. So, one of the one of the areas that a lot of operators that that we talk to and, and help um, is the sort of post visit. So, what they do after someone's made the booking, had the experience, and, and everything else. It's, they may send them out a single email to ask for a, a review or do something like that, but that's really about it. And not a lot of operators even do that well, to be honest, no. And it's obviously something we help when, when we're taking operators on board. But how how have you seen with what you, you know with Roller Software and things that you've done in the past? Now, how can you help make that sort of post-visit experience even better? Now, whether it's asking for reviews or asking for recommendations or asking you know for for maybe coming back and giving them offers and do whatever it is that you know that you think that, that company should be doing what have you seen work well and what do you think businesses need to be doing to try and get that repeat business or at least word of mouth business yeah no totally and this is something uh, you know i've observed for many years that uh, many businesses particularly in our industry are not tapping into this as well as they should and it's gotten a little better and I know I'm making a very general statement right there uh, but what I like to say is I, I like to talk about the importance of guest segmentation so who are your guests who had a phenomenal experience and who are your guests who may have had a service failure along the way or the experience did not meet their expectation because you don't necessarily want to send an email requesting a review to somebody who didn't have a great experience because you're, you're not really setting yourself up for success right there. Uh, so I like to to determine who are my most satisfied guests and who are who are the ones that need a little bit more attention. And all of that is through seeking guest feedback and doing it through internal channels. So if you prompt people for a survey first or something that is that is uh, coming in to you directly, then you give your guests the opportunity to complain or to share constructive feedback about something that could have improved their experience while they were visiting. Now, you also want to be collecting as much of this on site as well. So your employees, your guides should absolutely be on the lookout for you know, who are the most satisfied guests and who are guests who don't seem to be having the experience that, that we intend for them to have. And of course, some people will speak up and complain directly. But most people actually don't. And when I say most people, the most recent stat I saw on that was about 96% of people who have had a poor experience or people who uh, people who are dissatisfied don't complain. And they just don't come back. They just churn. Mm -hmm. And maybe they share negative word of mouth with other people. Maybe they, maybe they post a negative review. Another stat I saw said that uh, one negative review 
can turn away 30 prospective customers from your business. Now that's 30 people, but most people probably aren't coming to your business by themselves. Maybe every once in a while, maybe some people are, but I'm sure your average party size is a little bit more than one. So that's 30 people times the size of the group times your average ticket is how much mm. revenue you're potentially losing through each negative review. Now, on the satisfaction side of it, uh, what I've always said is that if you have guests who said this was the greatest experience in the world and you don't do anything about that, then you're burning energy. It's like walking into a room, turning on all the lights and then walking right out. The energy's there. It's there to be used, but you're not getting the benefit from it. So when you, let's say if you're, if you're trying to really have the best post-visit guest experience here, first is about finding who those guests are and being able to determine, would you recommend this experience to friends and family members? And a lot of people talk about the importance of net promoter score on a scale from zero to 10. If you want to get that technical, if you're that into the data, great. Sometimes I just ask people from a binary standpoint is, would you recommend this experience? Yes or no? And if it's yes, or if it's determined to be a promoter, if they're on the promoter scale, that's when we can push them to online reviews. If they're not, or if they're a little bit more passive, then we need information from them. We need that guest feedback in order to serve that guest directly. What was it about the experience that could have been improved? You want to encourage a culture of guest feedback, knowing that most people aren't going to share feedback with you. So if you prompt them for that, and you can incentivize that too, you can incentivize their feedback. Uh, but I'll talk a little bit more on, on that in a second. Uh, to be able to you know, ramp up the amount of feedback you're able to capture, then that's more data that you can use to improve your business for the future mm -hmm. and make a better guest experience for your guests to come. And also the opportunity to serve those guests directly. Uh, many years ago, a little over a decade ago, I was opening a new theme park and uh, we, had, we had gotten a couple of guest complaints in the first few weeks. We got like three guest complaints in the first, I don't know, month or so of a new theme park opening, which is that's, that, that's good. <laughs> pretty good, right? So my manager says, Josh, what are we doing to make sure we get no guest complaints? And I, I still look back on this, you know, more than a decade later. And, you know, I, I said, I said, that's not the way I'm looking at it. Every single time we've had a guest complaint, we've been able to actually improve our operation and improve the experience. And we've also been able to reach out to those guests and turn it around. And there's something called the recovery paradox, which suggests that if somebody has a bad experience and they complain about it and you properly take care of that complaint and turn it around, then their level of satisfaction after having gone through that process is oftentimes higher than a guest who came through and had a normal satisfactory experience. And that is a phenomenon that uh, this paradox that we really want to tap into. We don't want to intentionally provide a poor experience so we can jump in and complain about it. But when a guest complains, not only is this not the end of the world, but this is an opportunity to actually really create a wow moment where you can surprise and delight your guests. And then that leads to loyalty. And if at that point you ask them for a review and they post a review that said, hey, we had an issue, but Chris gave us a call the morning after and we talked through it and he's the nicest guy in the world. And I'm so glad that, uh, that I submitted my feedback and I'm so glad that I went on the experience and I can't wait to do it again. That's a positive review. That shows yep. the human yep. element of your business to say, 
yeah, we screw up sometimes, but when we do, we fix it. Uh, now, I mentioned earlier about incentivizing your guests for feedback or incentivizing them for reviews. And that's something that you want to take a little bit of caution when you do that. Because if you do offer an incentive to, to get feedback, I recommend doing that through internal channels and that maybe mm -hmm. you'll give them a bounce back or a, or a coupon for a future booking. Uh, where you can get into a little bit of trouble is if you are offering that incentive or offering that discount in exchange for a positive review. And this is you know, regardless of what industry. I walked into my dentist's office and they had an A-frame where they said, rate us on Google and you'll get like X amount off a, a teeth whitening or something like that. And I remember thinking, eh, should I say something? I consult on this stuff. No, I'm not going to. But, <laughs> but uh, that's where it can start to look like you're manipulating your reviews. So you yep. want to make sure that the feedback that you do get on those channels is organic. But you also want to make sure that you are asking the people who you have a little bit more confidence that they're going to post a positive review. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's <clears throat> lots of amazing advice there. And I, I can't agree more. And uh, just to give a, a brief example, actually, just recently, it was last week. You know, it was me and my wife's 17-year wedding anniversary. So we managed to find a babysitter for the kids, which was great. Um, and we stayed in a little Airbnb sort of glamping pod with a hot tub uh, just overnight. Uh, fantastic place no really comfortable everything else the hot tub was great just chilling out um and then as we we're leaving the review um obviously it comes up with that little box to say is there any feedback you want to send the the, the host privately uh, and i just says look i'm not going to put this in the review because i had a great time i know these things happen but the one thing that we were a little bit disappointed in and it was a little thing was the, the the pods didn't have a corkscrew or a bottle opener, so we you know it was it was quite hard to open up a bottle of wine. <laughs> I had to use a, a knife and jam it in and use the the hammer it in and hammer the cork in and everything else. And the girl got back, the host got back saying, "I'm really sorry about that. No thanks for you know, leaving us a positive review, but thanks so much for the feedback. No, I hope you can, you, you'll come back, and when you do, we'll leave a few extra treats uh, and some extra stuff for you. And it's that type of thing which I love. It's just showing that you're your care for your customers and say look this i want these guys to come back you know i want them to ex have a, a better experience uh, even though they left a positive review and it's just showing you that you're trying to go above and beyond and appease that customer um, yeah just because of something as simple as a corkscrew so yeah and, and they took action to to mm -hmm. say this is what we're going to do on your next visit right because obviously mm -hmm. they they couldn't they couldn't do anything to impact the experience you already had well, let's talk about your next visit. What are we going to do here? Because we want you to come back and we want to make sure that that you've got that corkscrew so you're not pulling a knife out of the drawer and trying to open that bottle of wine. I, one thing that when I see it, I, I cringe a little is if I'm reading a review and maybe it's a negative review online and the response to that review says, I'm sorry you had a poor experience. Hopefully you'll come back and visit us again. <laughs> you and me both <laughs> right, like, well, what's the what, why'd you even respond right um you know there's there's no action to that so there there is the i mean there's there's a whole i would say process of responding to a negative review that makes sure that that the business owner whoever is responding to those reviews has the same mentality as that airbnb host to say hey we actually want to talk to you because we want to solve this problem so mm -hmm. if it is if it is through public feedback, you don't necessarily have their contact information. Uh, so posting that response to say, hey, we'd like to speak to you about further. We'd like to make this right. Please call me at this number or, you know, could be please email me at this. 
Um, and it and it's a call to action. It's not if you would like to discuss this further, call this number. It's no, we want to talk to you. Please call us so we can make this right. Um, and people who are reading reviews will see those responses as well, and they'll say, okay, here's a negative review. How did the business respond to it? Uh, because that can that can undo even if the you know someone who's just researching they don't necessarily see what the resolution is. They see the intention. And they see mm-hmm. the the hospitality component that goes into that to say, hey, we care about our guest feedback. We care about our guest experience. And we're not mad at someone for posting a negative online review. Yeah, we would have liked that feedback internally. But we're going to take action and we're going to do everything we can to get in touch with this guest so we can make that experience right. Yeah. Yeah, I can't agree more. That's, that's great. Lots of amazing advice. And I've really enjoyed our chat, Josh. I think it's you know, obviously the experience uh, that you have shines through. And, and I, I'm completely with you that if you can highlight or, 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 or expedite that experience at every step of the way, then you're going to have repeat business. You're going to have people you know, buying, you know, upselling other products. You know, you're, you're going to have great word of mouth and then positive reviews and everything else. And it's, it's such... It's such an area you would think. To me, it's it's a it's an area where you think, well, this is what it's 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 almost self-explanatory. You know, people should be doing this, and businesses should be doing this, but a lot of people aren't, and that's 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 a scary thing, but also an opportunity for these businesses to say, look, I've had a a crap two years. You no, know, people are looking for uh, for experiences to do. You no know, travel demand is there, but they're going to be picky in who they choose. So you know, if you can highlight that what you're going to do is is over and above a competitor then that's that you have to put in the work to do that and i think i think a lot of uh not just operators but tourism businesses in general maybe don't go quite as far as maybe they should so yeah and, and the experience so. these days is the biggest differentiator you were even saying at the beginning well some people are they're just uh they're just price cutting so they can undercut you know their competitors and instead of cutting your prices amp up your experience and mm-hmm. that's what people are going to talk about when uh, when they come do your tour, take your experience, whatever it is, uh, that that's going to be the biggest differentiator and what makes you unique. Exactly. No, and never go to a price war, in my opinion. If you start doing that, you're always in a losing battle. Someone will always come along and do it cheaper. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're, 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 you'll never win in that more, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, if someone wanted to know find out more about yourself about roller software or how, how would they get in touch what's the best ways to get in touch with you josh sure so for roller you can go to roller.software and uh, to get a hold of me uh, you can connect with me on linkedin joshua liebman uh, you can connect with me on twitter joshua underscore liebman um, or you can send me an email josh at rollerdigital.com and um I respond. I respond quickly. So happy to uh, to hear from anybody. And if anybody wants to chat guest experience, just let me know. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Josh. Uh, I can't thank you enough. No, I've I've learned a lot, and hopefully those that are listening and watching have have too as well. So, thanks again. Thanks for being in the digital tourism show, and hopefully our, our paths will cross at some point in the near future once we can all start traveling again. Yeah, let's hope so. Thanks, Chris. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your show.